0: This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank.
1: Hello, this is Joe Cardoso, CFO of Keolis, North America, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader podcast.
0: This is episode 219. How, as a finance leader, are you, driving, are you driving change, change in your organization? organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we once more speak with Bill Elkin, CFO of the Interflex Group.
1: The analysis that we were getting was, it was good data, but we really needed to step that up. Profitability, customer profitability, product profitability, being able to sort of slice and dice, you know, our customers, our products, those kinds of things, you know, to help us direct our sales team on which products we'd like them to focus on. But that also, you know, our equipment tends to be somewhat specialized that helps us to decide, you know... If we're going to make a capital investment, which are our most profitable products that we should be making a capital investment in or, or equipment to support that line of business or if we're going to do a product expansion or things like that.
0: Listen to our complete interview with Bill after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intac provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intac provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Bill Elkin, CFO of Interflex Group, a leader in specialty flexible packaging, serving a variety of industries, including the fresh food, packaged food, pet products, and industrial products today. Bill, welcome. Glad to be back with you. And I should say welcome back. We were happy you accepted our invite as a return guest. When you last joined us, you emphasized your goal as a finance leader was to make Interflex truly a data-driven organization, and we're looking forward to exploring your ambitions a little more, but but first, can you provide our listeners with something like a snapshot of this business today, Interflex's business today?
1: Sure. Uh, Interflex today is, uh, is currently one of the top 25 flexible packaging manufacturers in, in the United States. Um, we have multiple plants in uh, in the U.S. and we also have two plants uh, overseas in the United Kingdom. Um, roughly 700 employees, give or take, and uh, uh, you know have a have a have a broad product offering um, from uh, pouches, bags, roll stock. You know, as you said, serving, you know, many industries and, and lots of diverse specialty packaging needs.
0: And you've been with the company for some time from what I recall, and there's private equity involved, but you have been, uh, come up through the ranks as the CFO today.
1: Correct. Yes. I've been here 19 years. I've, I've been there 19 years. I started as a, as a controller, you know, way back when I was a young man.
0: All of finance, it seems, um, has become all more, all the more operational. And last time, clearly, you emphasized the importance of um, having an, a mind for operations as well as finance, and you emphasized how the organization needs to become more data-driven. You shared with us uh, some of your thinking in that area, but. Can you share with us how finance is helping drive this data-driven dynamic throughout the organization?
1: Sure. I mean, it, it's and probably like a lot of businesses our size, um, the, the finance group, you know, IT sort of gets included with the finance group or in the in the finance group umbrella. Um, and since we last talked, we've also, you know, hired a, a VP of FP&A to help us strengthen. Uh, you know, our, our analysis, our, you know, analytical tools, um, functionality, and then also, you know, the reporting, but, but then, you know, adapting that to the various needs of the business. And, um, you know, our finance team, our finance leaders are, are also, um, you know, they're Six Sigma certified. They have one black belt. So they, you know, they understand operations. They understand, you know, what goes on in manufacturing. Um, and, you know, we'll be pushing that down to the rest of the finance organization. Not that they have to be able to go out and run machines necessarily, but it, it helps as they are diving through data or being asked to produce reports if they understand some, somewhat what the end user is is expecting and looking for, Um, you know, and it, and it also helps to say, you know, to validate the data. Uh, you know, when they first run a report, you know, they don't have any idea what they're looking at you know, they could just hand you a report and and have no bearing on whether the data is accurate, is telling you anything, you know, if if there's a trend there or not. So um, it's very important for us to have cross-functional teams and have everybody on the finance team, you know, spend a little time on the shop floor and and understand what we do in operations.
0: Now, the FP&A position sounds like it was an important hire for the organization and one that might signal – that you're you're now prepared uh to take it to the next level um as far as data analysis can you can you reflect on that at all
1: yeah well the the we hired the role the analysis that we were getting was was it was good data um you know the format wasn't particularly great the data mining wasn't where we wanted it to be but we wanted we really needed to step that up um, both from just a profitability and a, and a you know a a, you know, a financial angle, if you will, from just profitability, customer profitability, you know, product profitability, you know, industry, you know, being able to sort of slice and dice, um, you know, our customers, our products, those kinds of things to help us, to help direct us, you know, help direct our sales team on which products we'd like them to focus on, but that also, you know, our equipment tends to be somewhat specialized that helps us to decide, you know, if we're going to make a capital investment. Which are our most profitable products that we should be making a capital investment in or our equipment to support that line of business or if we're going to do a product expansion or things like that. So, I mean, that was a big part of it. Um, we also wanted somebody, um, I mean, frankly, I had too much under my umbrella to try to do, you know, as good a job as I wanted to do at all of it anyway. So, you know, part of it was to help me, but to bring in somebody that had a, a, a bit stronger IT background that could work with our IT team. To then look at, you know, our existing ERP system um, and, and how that's functioning, and are we using the modules that we want to use correctly, and are we getting the data out of it that we set out to when we implemented? And then, b, helping that, helping guide that team to investigate what other options we would have within our ERP system, and then, you know, bolt-on packages or supplemental software packages that could help manage the business. I felt like we were using. ERP systems, so I wanted to to have somebody that could dedicate more time and resources of working with our IT department, and it, but also somebody that really understood the business and could direct IT that way, so it, it wasn't just an IT-driven request, but a you know an IT request that actually supported the business uh, in the direction that we wanted to. <laughs>
0: Bill, has the, uh, has the cloud, the availability of cloud applications and some of these tools sort of being migrated into the cloud in an effective manner, has that influenced uh, greatly how you've adopted, uh, you'll be adopting technology in the future and perhaps uh, shortening the process to do so?
1: Well, yeah, it really has. I mean, we've, we've just we started with some of our HR applications. So we've got, you know, we've got an onboarding application that's in the cloud. Um, our, our payrolls in the cloud, um, you know, our employee portal, all that stuff is, is, is in the cloud at this point. And, you know, we started there because it seemed like a, a way to dip our toes in, uh, as we looked at our, at our, you know, at the rest of our ERP system. I mean, we're in the middle of an upgrade right now within our main ERP system that will have some cloud functionality for people who work remotely or, or are, uh, on the road. You know, visit, visiting customers or whatnot. But, I mean, we're, we're utilizing it, I, thought I would say, on a reasonable basis. I, if, if you ask me that question 18 months from now, I'd say we would be probably a lot deeper into that.
0: Yeah. Now- Interflex has steadily and successfully grown through acquisition over the years. In the past, you had emphasized to us how having a strong orientation with operations has allowed your finance team to be successful in integrating these acquired businesses. But I'm wondering if you could maybe more specifically share with us, what are the types of operational insights that were required to make these successful? What is it exactly that you uh, believe, you know, you had the insight into that perhaps other uh, finance departments may not?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know that we have insights that others don't, but, you know, the, the finance team plays a very big role when we when we are integrating um, because they do know how our business runs. I, I think that, you know, in the past, you know, when we were sort of cutting our teeth in, in, in acquisition integration, you know, we tried to, we, we tried to look at, you know, the, the business we were buying or purchasing and our business and, and try to merge and pick and choose things that we like or didn't like about that. And I think that we can, you can still do that with policies and procedures and, 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 you know, standard operating procedures or policies, but, you know, when it comes to integrating, what we decided, you know, what we came to the conclusion of is that we understand what works for us and what our model is. And so, on our last acquisition, you know, rather than spend a lot of time analyzing their ERP system and their their models and and, and whatnot, we merged it all into what we know and understand. And you know, ha- having a group that understands operations and distribution and all the different things, it, it made it it made it easier for us to analyze on the front end analyze the business uh, particularly when you're trying to determine valuation and you know uh, try to get an estimate on integration costs but then just the actual integration itself uh you know it went it went much more smoothly
0: I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your workforce and how finance has visibility <laughs> into uh, your workforce costs and uh, investment does the size of your workforce today? Do you compare it to industry averages with competitors, or how do you, how do you know you have the right size workforce?
1: Well, when we, when we benchmark against other other, people, other peers within our industry, um, which gets to be a little bit difficult because there's not sort of many middle sized, if you will, players. There's a lot of smaller ones, and then you know a, a few very very large publicly traded companies. But we we do try to do that. But we also know. You know, we had the two businesses in the UK as well. They all have similar equipment. So, um, you know, we sort of know what it takes to run the business. Uh, and then, you because know, we, and, and then we, you know, we look at sort of flex capacity is we've experienced somewhat increased turnover in the last, say, six to nine months is to keep, sort of keep a number of people in training so that we always have enough people. And when you're running seven days a week, you know, somebody always wants some time off. So, it's not as if we have idle people sitting around, but it's pretty common in our industry, you know, uh, you know, a, a certain printing press model takes, you know, two or three people to run per shift. I mean, we, we kind of look at industry standards and, you know, what the equipment manufacturers would, would recommend as well.
0: Have you enhanced your, your efforts to measure employee engagement or certain parts of the workforce?
1: To measure that, um, I don't know that we're really measuring that well, but we certainly – we, we definitely have engaged them. Uh, we do these things called quarterly shout outs where the, the CEO, myself, and our VP of HR meet with every employee we meet with every shift. So every employee is in there. We usually, we usually have a present a brief business update so they know what's going on. And then we basically open the floor for them to make comments on things they like, things they don't like, things they'd like to see changed. Um, and it, it, it gives, it, it puts, and, and there are no supervisors or middle management in those meetings, so it's they they can feel free to talk about whatever they want, you know, without their supervisor, their direct supervisor, or somebody sitting there sort of taking notes. And we've you know we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from that. The employees seem more engaged in the business, um, and you know that's really helped us sort of with the blue collar workforce. And then we've just recently started uh, a global leadership initiative, which is a Management training program for people from supervisors up to up to the CEO, and we, we're doing that in the UK and the US. Um, and so there's team building, there's management skills, and that's really that's really helped the uh, employee engagement as well. So we're, what we're trying to do is as best we can for business our size is to is to have everybody feel like they've got a stake in the business and are engaged and, and have a positive, hopefully positive effect on the performance and outcome of the business.
0: Bill would like to ask you how you're helping this organization look forward today. Uh, how are you forecasting differently? How has it continued uh, to evolve?
1: Well, I mean, you know, five years ago we we really forecasted once a year, and that's I, I was never all that thrilled with that. But given the tools that we had and the resources that we had at the time, you know, it was a pretty big exercise for us. And to do it with a reasonable level of accuracy, it, it took quite a while. And and not that it's not important, but we wanted people focused on the business and and operating the business rather than producing forecasts and producing reports. You know, today we've we've got a robust we've got a, we've built a robust model um, that can reach into the ERP system and grab historical data, and then we can use that to forecast. I and mean, we can forecast down to the product kind of the product level. So we can do it at the customer level. We can do it at the product level. And then, you know, what I always wanted, and we finally have gotten there, is that, you know, instead of doing a one-year quote-unquote budgeting or forecasting, we do it, it's a rolling quarterly one so that we always have we always have a 12-month forecast out there. And, you know, we roll it every quarter. And so now we've got the model. We've got the sort of set procedures. It doesn't take anywhere near as much time to, to do that. And it, and it gives us a look forward. it it seems to be more accurate, you know, it it eliminates the, you know, the quote unquote budget version one, budget version two, because something significant changed, whatever. I mean, we just, you know, we're constantly reforecasting. So, uh, I mean, we still do have, you know, the budget, but we don't, we only have one version of the budget. We just are rolling the the forecast every quarter. And so it's definitely much more forward looking. And then, you know, we, we sort of dovetail that with, um, you know, our, our three year strategic plan that we, you know, we look at that, you know, probably on an annual basis and roll that forward as well. And, and just, there just a- to make sure, just to make sure that the objectives that each of the business units have and then, you know, the, the, the functional units in the business units to make sure that everybody understands what that strategic direction is and make sure that we're all pulling for the same objectives. Cause, you know, from time to time, you know, a tangent, you know, you have a tangent going off in the wrong direction that could be counterproductive.
0: What's next? What's the next milestone as far as forecasting is concerned? You've taken After it this far in in five years, uh, w- and maybe shorter. But where where to next? What what's how do you enhance it all the more? Is it?
1: Well, I mean, we continue to work on the we continue to work on the model. I mean, it still is somewhat manual. I mean it does it does have some automated function. Um, yeah. So really, just trying to make trying to make it more automated so that it just takes less time. Uh, for, for the, for, for the team to put the data together.
0: Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart? of year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months?
1: The the first priority would be to continue to provide uh, enhanced reporting, both financial and operational data to, to the team, to the end users within our business to help them make you know, good business decisions and, and, and guide the business in the direction that, you know, is, is we've defined, we want it to go. So, you know, that, that would be, that continues to be the number one. The number two would be to increase the the timeliness of that, of that reporting. Um, you know, sometimes the, the finance team um, gets, gets a little delayed or gets a little slow sort of in the end of the month closing process. And, Uh, where we've we've begun a project now to automate and streamline that and and to have certain dates that things happen so that we have the financials on a given day and then, you know, all the reporting that comes with that financial package, which would be the operational metrics and the working capital and, you know, the the other things besides just the financial statements um, so that we can have that earlier in the month, um, even if that means sacrificing you know a small bit of accuracy. So what I mean by that is I, I'd rather have the financial statements that are ninety eight percent correct on time, that are a hundred percent correct, that are that are a week and a half late. Um, because what if we what my goal is is to have the the finance team, the active participants during the month. Uh, you know so so for example you know if we were closing April right now which we are, you know to get that close, so they can be active participants in May. Using the data and the and the analysis that we did for April to to impact May, rather than have it be towards the end of May when it's really too late to do anything with it, and you're you're jumping right back into closing. And you know maybe all businesses our size don't get into that that cycle, but it, it seems like from time to time we get into the cycle where we just go from close to close. And I, I'd rather have the finance team, you know, doing analysis, working with you know the operations teams, working with you know various members of, of production and management to, to use the, you know use their intellectual talent and can do analysis and and help manage the business versus sort of the tedious part of closing um, and then the, the, the third priority would be to you know I, as I mentioned we're in the middle of an upgrade we've got another upgrade coming right behind that we had to upgrade two versions so um, and then that upgrade is going to have a number of different uh, functions to it that, that we've either had outside of the system um, as a bolt-on or outside of the system in Excel and or in a FileMaker-type product that, we're, that are being pulled into our ERP system so that we can eliminate uh, double entry where we have it or duplicate databases um, so that everybody's working off the same data all the time, and it's, it's real-time live data, um, which will eliminate human error uh, and, and some of the some of the functions that you know can impact our operations so those, those will be my top three priorities
0: bill elkin thank you for joining us on cfo thought leader
1: i'm happy to do it
0: hi it's jack At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever so short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOthoughtleader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply.